Hello and welcome to the EO Fire Income Report for January 2017, our first income report in 2017. And it's a doozy for a few reasons, so you're going to want to stick around. I am joined by the great, classy Kate Erickson, by the ever-present CPA on fire, Josh Bowerly, and of course, our lawyer with all of the answers, David Lizerbram. So what's up, guys? Hey, what's How's up? Hey, what's up? Yes, loving it. So we're getting better at this every single month, I swear to God. So Fire Nation, we got some good things to talk about today, but first I'm going to brush through our income at a glance. Our gross income for January was $182,000. Our expenses were $66,000 for a total net profit for January of $116,427. So a $28,000 decrease from December. And again, we got a couple doozies for you. We'll be talking about this and more. But as always, we're going to start with our CPA on fire's monthly tax tip. And it's that time of year. I was barely able to rip Josh away from just feverishly filling out forms for all of his clients, for you Fire Nation that have just come to him in droves for the right reasons because Josh is the man. So Josh, what are you talking about today? Yeah, John, you know, my, my inbox is overflowing, my calendar's full, my <laughs> dreams are filled with income statements and balance sheets and W-2s. And then and come just, June, nobody knows your name. It's exactly. There can only be one explanation. It's got to be another tax season. And I don't know how, but it's, it's arrived. All right. And I heard the other day on the radio that CPAs are the only professionals that people fear more than their dentists. And it doesn't have to be that way. We're not scary. No, I don't know if I'm more surprised about that or the fact that you were listening to, what was it called? The radio or something? Yeah, it's, I, it's this weird thing in my <laughs> truck. I don't know. I, I, I press this button and people start talking. I don't know. So weird. Yeah. But uh, the rewind button doesn't work on it. I don't know. It's frustrating. But <laughs> to make this a little less scary, we're going to go over some tips for being prepared this tax season. So you can give your CPA exactly what he's looking for and you can make sure that you're maximizing those taxes for your business. Tip number one is to record your entire gross income. And I know this sounds like common sense on the surface. Like, why wouldn't you record all of your gross income? But let me throw this scenario by you that, that I see all the time. All right, you're using a merchant account or using something like PayPal, Stripe, whatever it is to collect your revenue from clients. And they are charging you a fee on that revenue to collect that for you. All right, so let's say a client pays you $10,000 and your merchant charges 2% of that. So instead of $10,000 hitting your bank account, $8,000 hits your bank account. Well, that would actually be like 9800 right? If it was 2%. Correct, correct. Sorry, I just tried to do easy math there and use 2000 10000 You had to call me out. Hey, Fire Nation, don't worry. He has a calculator for all yes, of your I, taxes. I do have a calculator. I do. I only <laughs> do the ones in my head of the people I'm mad at. Just kidding. All right, no. But let's, let's just keep this math simple and say that you have an outrageous merchant that charges 20%. All right? Instead of $10,000 hitting your account, $8,000 hits your account. All right, and you're going through your tax records at the end of the year, and you say, okay, $8,000 is my revenue. The problem is the IRS expects you to record $10,000 as mm. revenue. And I see this all the time. And on the surface, it, it, it's like, well, why does it matter? All I'm going to do is record $10,000 and then record $2,000 as an expense. It all nets out. doesn't matter. No one ever said the IRS had to use common sense, right? So you have to make sure you're recording your entire gross income, right? You have to make sure that you're accounting for those merchant fees for anyone else that's taking revenue off the top before you even receive it, right? So what you need to do is record $10,000 as income and then turn around and record $2,000 as a merchant fee or whatever the fee was that you didn't receive it, right? So tip number one, you've got to re-record your entire gross income. Tip number two, and this is something we've talked about a few times when we, when we go into bookkeeping tips, is you have to categorize your expenses. All right, so for income, you can just give your CPA a total gross income. You can say, I received $150,000 gross income. I don't need to know how you received it. I don't need to know the various sources of income, any of that. I just need gross income. Expenses don't work that way. And a lot of people assume that they do, especially when they're first getting started and say, okay, I had $150,000 income. I had $100,000 expenses. There's my numbers. Go run my taxes. And it's not quite the way it works. The IRS wants to know how you are spending that money, right? So you need to break it down into various categories. So think of things like advertising, affiliate payments. So all those people you're, you're paying those affiliate commissions to, office expenses, travel, meals and entertainment. 
And I don't want you to get too bogged down in, gosh, I don't know, is this advertising? Is this office expense? Like, don't spend an hour trying to figure that out. It's not overly important that you get the exact right category, but it is important that you take the time to put them into categories. Okay, so I want you to, and you don't need to do this monthly. I don't need to see your transactions by day in each category. All I need you to do is have a yearly total for each category of expense that you have. All right, so record the entire gross income, expenses break down into categories. And finally, number three, you need to make sure that you're collecting and giving to your tax preparer all of your relevant tax documents. All right, so most people know like their W-2s. Okay, yes, I have to report my W-2. But the big place that entrepreneurs get in trouble is with 1099s because what they'll think is, okay, I recorded $150,000 gross income. This 1099 that I received is just a part of that $150,000. So no need to put that on there. Unfortunately, what happens is the IRS says, okay, yeah, you told me you had $150,000 gross income, but uh, Entrepreneur on Fire said that they paid you $10,000 and I don't see you recording a 1099 from Entrepreneur on Fire. So we're just going to go ahead and assume that that was not a hundred part of that $150,000 and we're going to send you a nice love letter demanding in more, more taxes plus some penalties and interest. Love letter. So I, I know you're, you're doing the right thing. You're recording all the income, but you have to make sure, number one, that you're receiving all the 1099s you're supposed to. And number two, that you're recording those 1099s if they need to be recorded. Right. And if, if this happened to you, if you made a mistake, you can get out of it. You would just make sure you're writing the IRS and, and doing that correctly. But it's something that can be avoided if you're doing it correctly. And Josh, something that you and I do, and I'm curious to see if you would recommend this, is I use this great app called Genius Scan Fire Nation, where when my 1099s come in, I just open them up, put them on my desk, scan it, upload it to a shared Dropbox with Josh. And I do store that paper file. But now Josh has immediate access to my 1099s. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, find a CPA that you can that can work remotely and open up a Dropbox for you if you want to. If you still have one that you have to bring in paper into, that's fine. Just make sure you're recording all of them. Whatever you're doing, make sure that it's happening. And as me and John always discuss as we're going through this, and John will say, hey, I got this. Do you receive it? And both of us always come to the conclusion, you know what? Send me everything you're, you're, you, you think I might need, and I'll, right. I'll figure out if I <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have to be like those cute little old ladies when I worked at a CPA firm and they'd come in with every single document that had a number on it. Like, I don't need your cable bill or anything. But, uh, yeah, just you got to make sure you're doing it. So you don't need to give them receipts. You don't technically need to give them invoices. But there's specific tax documents like 1099s, like W-2s that we do need to see. So just be safe. Talk to your tax preparer. Ask them exactly what they need from you. They can probably give you some type of checklist. But you've got to make sure you're doing this correctly because – you could be reporting all of your income and, and paying taxes on the income you actually had, but if the IRS doesn't think you're doing it right, guess what? They're going to come after you for more. Love it. Well, I mean, Kate, do you have any questions on this? Because I feel like we've been dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, moving to Puerto Rico, having to deal with, you know, changing our LLC. I mean, what kind of questions that kind of cropped up from us doing this move that new entrepreneurs might be facing for the first time? Well, Josh, I, I was kind of thinking about the fact that, or well, I shouldn't say the fact that this is more of a question for you and maybe something that you could expound on a little bit. But when you are using PayPal as your like mode of, of paying people or receiving funds, like how does that affect the 1099 process or like having to have a W-2 on file and, or a W-9 on file, all that stuff? Yep. So there, there's a lot of questions around 1099s. We could probably do a whole whole tip on this. We probably have in the past, but the, the, when it comes to PayPal, PayPal is actually responsible for submitting their own 1099s. Yeah. PayPal is what they consider a third party source. So if you're paying someone through PayPal, you don't need to send that person a 1099. However, not everyone follows this rule. So just because someone is paying you through PayPal doesn't mean that they're not sending you a 1099. And if they are sending you a 1099, even though they're not supposed to, you still need to record it. Right, and don't, you're not getting double counted on income. You just need to make sure that your total income is the same, but you're just separately reflecting that 1099. Got it. Yeah, that's a, I, I feel like that's really helpful because for me, like that's just another reason to use PayPal. It kind of seems like they're backing you up there in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, to me, the, the less you can do when it comes to these tax documents, the better. So if you can pay people through a third party source like PayPal, get that 1099 off your plate, go for it. 
Well, Fire Nation, Josh is the guy to go to with further questions on this topic. You can find him directly at josh at cpaonfire.com. He also has a completely free course. You can find it on his website, cpaonfire.com slash fire nation. He's got a lot of great stuff on that site. He's got a lot of free stuff. Josh, thank you, brother. Thank you. We'll see you next month. Our legal man is standing by. His name is David. He has a January legal tip. It is rules for using images online. And I got to be honest with you, this is important, Fire Nation, and we'll get into why. But David, take it away. How's it going, John and Kate? Um, Yeah, I want to talk about images online because this applies to anybody that has a business, a website, a social media presence, anything like that. You're probably going to at some point be using images because... You know, nobody wants to just look at blocks of text all day long. You got to you got to dress it up with something. Right. So I wanted to talk about the rules because I see a lot of clients getting in trouble, not because they think they're doing anything wrong or they intend to, but just because they don't know the rules. So now we're going to solve that problem for Fire Nation. So um, we're going to play a little game. John, are you ready for a game? I'm so ready. Let's do it. We're going to play. We're not going to play Truth or Dare. That's another podcast. We're going to play True or False. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to ask you questions and make you do the work. Okay. True or False. If I find an image online, it's free to use. I'm going to go False on this one. You are right, John. Yes. Um, And then maybe that's because you have a really good lawyer. But uh, (laughs) you can find images anywhere online. um, But just because they're online doesn't mean you can use them. And that includes Google Images, which is where a lot of people find pictures. But you know, if you see a picture on a competitor's website, uh, on Instagram, on wherever, you know, anywhere online. So when I say online, I'm talking about social as well, not just the web. Um, all those images, for the most part, are protected by copyright law, whether it's in the U.S. or another country. And that means that you can't use that image without permission. And you can be fined. You can get a cease and desist letter um, from an attorney. All kinds of things can happen that you don't want to have happen. So kind of a corollary, true or false, John, if everyone else is using an image, I can use it for free. False. Oh, you're so good. Okay. (laughs) So here's the thing. A lot of people will say to me, well, you know, all these other people in my space are using the same image. They're not getting sued. So how come, you know, I can't use it? Well, copyright holders don't have to go after every infringer. That's kind of an urban myth that if you have the copyright for a picture and you don't go after everybody, then it's just free. You lose the copyright. It doesn't work that way. You don't want to be the unlucky one. And okay, we're going to do one more true or false. If I'm not making money off it, I can use an image for free. You know, I said false the first two times, so I'm going to say true. Oh, okay. You're not quite perfect. Oh, no. That one's false, too. So the law applies, copyright law applies, whether or not you're directly monetizing the image. So you doesn't have to have a call to action where you can make money. It doesn't even really have to be, quote unquote, business related. A lot of people will say, well, you know, my blog is just informational or whatever the case may be. That may be so, but... It doesn't matter really if you're monetizing it directly or indirectly. The the same rules apply. You need to be careful about it. So uh, now that we did, I, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to call that a win because you got two out of three. <laughs> but that's a 66. That's like a failing grade, I feel. <laughs> well, you know, we're grading you on a curve. John. Okay, thank you. Um, so, you know, basically there's how can you use an image online, you know, whether it's your website, social, et cetera. Okay, so there's a couple different ways. One is that you own the copyright. That means you took the image or an employee of yours created it, you know, or you bought it, something like that. Like you are just the owner. That's not that common. But like if you take an image, if you take a picture with your phone, you can you own the copyright. So you can post it online, do whatever you want. The other way is to buy or license the right to use an image. Um, Very often that is through stock photos like iStock. There's Shutterstock. There's a whole bunch of these um, that you can find. Um, and then you're getting a license to use the image and you can go ahead and use it exactly as you want. Um, you can subscribe. Some of these things have monthly subscriptions where you can get a certain number of images. There's all kinds of different sources. I would caution you to read the terms of the license, um, because some of them have restrictions. Like you can only use it, you know, in this place, but not that place. So make sure you do glance at it to make sure that you're not breaking the rules. And actually, 
this mo- like just an hour ago, I found out another tip for this that I'm just I was just oh, kind of cool. blown away because it was like, how did I not know this? But I was I was at a presentation by Marketing Melody, who's killer, marketingmelody.com. That's a free plug. Sweet. Um, and uh, she's really great. Her website has tons of great stuff. And she showed me that if you go to Google Images, which we all probably know about, and you go to the button that says Tools right under the search box, you can find a thing that says uh, – what, what is it called? It's uh, usage rights. And then it'll click and it'll say, you know, labeled for reuse, things like that. So you can actually find images through Google image search that are available for reuse. Now, mm. I'm still going to caution you to read the terms and find out exactly what it is. But those images are free. And, you know, as long as you're following those terms, you can use them uh, and you don't need to ask permission. You don't need to pay anything, et cetera. So that's an extra bonus tip that even I didn't know about until a few minutes ago. And now we're getting right hot off the presses to uh, Fire Nation. <laughs> well, I have a real story than a real question on this. So I have these images that I use for every single one of my episodes for EO Fire. You know, we're now over 1,600 record- recorded. So there's been a lot of images of a lot of my past guests. And I'll be honest, like before I started working with you, David, like I was just going to Google Images, typing in their name, you know, grabbing that image and using it because I'm like, oh, it's just a picture of them. They're on my show and like I'm going to use it. And boom, that's how I would do it. Then I did get one of those letters. Um, It was like 1,400 episodes in. So it wasn't like it happened right away, Fire Nation. But over the course of a couple of years and and hundreds and hundreds, you know, even more than thousands of times doing this, you know, I did get pegged by this company that said, hey, this is actually our image. Like you got to pay X number of dollars. Dave and I talked about it. He's like, listen, we could probably go back and forth with these people. But is it really like how much do you want to do this? I'm I'm happy to do it. But, you know, this is, you know, I, you know, David's hourly rate is X and the cost was Y. So I don't like make a decision and say, I'm just going to pay this and just be more careful in the future. So now what we do, David, is when I have a guest fill out the application form to be on EO Fire, I have them submit their headshot to me via that email. So they actually upload their image. Now, since I'm having them upload their image to me, does that cover me or am I still um, at risk? Yeah, essentially you're covered. I mean, you know, we can get into the, you know, the details and I can conjure up a situation where, you know, maybe they didn't really have permission. But for the most part, you know, you've done your due diligence. You've done what's reasonably necessary um, to, you know, to cover yourself there. And and I basically do the same thing because I have a podcast and I do the same thing. Like when I had you on the podcast, I said, John, send me your, right. send me your, your image and you're giving permission to use it. So, you know, it, I, I think that's. But I guess if we were going to like conjure up a reason, I mean, that time that like Success Magazine came over and like took pictures of me for the magazine. And they actually use it in the magazine. And then like if I like was to take that picture that is technically success magazines, even though it's of me, give that to you. I'm obviously in the wrong for giving it to you. But is that a reason or a possibility where you're also going to be in the wrong? Possible. That is that is definitely possible. So, you know, in those types of situations, like if you're being photographed for, you know, magazine or media or whatever the case may be, you know, make sure you ask them, hey, do I have permission to use this? What's the rules around this? And usually they'll give you, you know, they'll just say, oh, yeah, that's okay. Um, you know, if you can get that in writing, an email is fine. It doesn't have to be, you know, engraved on some. Well, maybe what I should do, and this could be something that you do as well. Like we add to our app- application process, you know, when it says like, can you upload a photo? It can, we can just maybe add the words, can you upload a headshot that you have the rights to here? And like by saying that, like they're saying, I have the rights to this and I'm giving you permission to use it. Exactly. Wow. You did go to law school, didn't you? (laughs) Just for a semester, but it worked. (laughs) There you go. You got your money's worth. I mean, with all these things, I would just say, you know, unlike the IRS, you can use a little bit of common sense and think like, you know, okay, am I doing enough here to to cover myself and make sure that, you know, that I'm following the rules. I love it. Well, this is really, really a helpful topic. And actually in two months, Fire Nation, David's coming back on to talk about the type of royalty-free music that you can use on podcasts and just your website and maybe when you're doing videos for music and how that's going to work. So we talked about images today. We're talking about um, audio and songs in general. Like if you want to use that great, you know, Bono song, U2, With or Without You, like what's the rules around that? So we'll be talking about that in a couple of months to make sure you tune back in. And David, give us that strong closing and a call to action about how we can find you. 
All right. Well, look, uh, this is a question I get all the time about images. I really hope that this has helped give a little bit of guidance. And uh, if you have any more questions about this, first of all, the uh, income report, I get into this in a lot more detail uh, yes. on the website. And I also am offering Fire Nation a free three-step checklist on using images online, which you can get at my website, productsofthemind.net slash images. And uh, or you can get that link through the uh, income report blog post. So check it out and uh, let me know what you think. And if you guys have any other questions, the best uh, the best questions for these topics come from the listeners. So uh, fire away, guys. Fire Nation, that's eofire.com slash income 41. If you are curious about getting that link and of course, productsofthemind.com is where you can find out more about David, what he has going on, a lot of great free resources and don't try to be penny wise and end up being pound of foolish fire nation. I mean, if there were things that I had done earlier on in my journey, I would have saved thousands and thousands of dollars by spending tens of hundreds of dollars. So you want to make sure that you have your ducks in a row, that you're doing the right things. You're protecting yourself with people like Josh, who's your CPA, with people like David, who's there for you when you have to, when you should and want to ask these questions that are important for you and your business. So thanks, Josh. Thanks, David. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you, uh, Josh, in a month, David in two months. And now we're going to be moving on to what happened in January for EO Fire. I'm going to be bringing up uh, the classy Kate Erickson to do some chatting now. She's been very patient, very quiet, but we had a pretty cool launch of something called The Mastery Journal, something that myself and Kate and our whole team worked on for the better part of 2016. So it was so great that in 2017, we got to launch this hard work and we put so much into this launch. You know, we have this whole pre-launch strategy that we're going to be talking about. But before I get into too many details, Kate, say hello, say what's up to Fire Nation and then kind of walk us through this Mastery Journal launch that we had on Kickstarter. Yay. What's up, Fire Nation? I feel like the kid in class who's like patiently waiting in the back for her turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, super excited for January's income report. How cool. We're in 2017 and this is our 41st income report. Whoa. That's so many reports. Um, but I had a lot of fun this month creating the income report because as John said, I got to kind of lay out and, you know, I'm excited to share with Fire Nation what went down for the launch because as you know, John, and as I'm sure Fire Nation knows as well, there's a lot that goes into launching a physical product. There's a lot that goes into a launch on Kickstarter. There's a lot that goes into like any type of launch. So <laughs> I thought it would be cool in this month's report to do kind of like a pre, during and post launch, even though it's only been live for a week and we still have a couple of weeks to go yet. Um, but, you know, there's already so many lessons that we've learned and so much that we have to share. So um, I'll go ahead and dive into pre-launch. Uh, but I mean, first, I feel like we should talk about where we're at with the Mastery Journal right now. We crossed 2,000 backers. Yeah, 2,000 backers. I mean, specifically 2,200 backers. We're at $172,000. And this is for a $39 journal. So this is pretty awesome, pretty exciting. And, and we do have some really great killer rewards. I know Kate's going to be talking about this later, but um, we've filled up four of six rewards for our Puerto Palooza, which is going to be a six-person mastermind of six amazing Fire Nation. Again, already four spots have been claimed. You're coming down to spend uh, three nights and four days in Puerto Rico at our place. We're going to be doing masterminding. We're going to be going on a snorkeling adventure off the island of Yekas. So both work and play. It's going to be an amazing time. So if you want to check it out, themasteryjournal.com. All the rewards are there. Kate, take it away. So I'm going to be doing a pretty massive recap post on the entire Kickstarter and the entire launch for the Mastery Journal, just like we did with the Freedom Journal. But I want to run through some of like the major uh, milestones and I guess challenges and roadblocks and awesome wins that we've experienced even just, you know, two weeks in now at the time that we're recording this episode, but one weekend in January. So pre-launch, the project plan that we had was pretty out of control. Uh, we used Asana for this, which I totally love Asana. It's such a great tool. If you're looking for task management, project management um, platform, Asana is awesome. And I've been using the free version for like three years now, and I absolutely love it. It's just 
allows you to work really easily with other team members, assign things to people, give things due dates. And they even have like cool unicorns that fly across your screen when you check stuff off. Have you ever seen that, John? Yeah, oh yeah, you love that. <laughs> so much fun. I create things just so I can check them off so I can see that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so the, with a solid project plan mapped out in Asana, we're able to make sure that we stayed on task because, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to this. We have things like, you know, making sure that the editing is done. And even before that, the layout, the images that go inside, um, double and triple checking ourselves when it comes to the links that we're sharing, the resources that we're sharing, the quotes that we're sharing, making sure we're attributing quotes correctly. Um, we're talking about the video, um, creating the video for the Kickstarter page and, having the assets for the Kickstarter page, all the images that we had to create to go on that page, the um, support page that we created for anybody who wants to help support us with the Mastery Journal, just by sharing the Mastery Journal, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, that is so super appreciated. And so all of these things became like little micro goals within our overall project plan. So again, Asana was great for that. Um, we are not a affiliate or anything for Asana, just really, really, actually we should be. Um, note to self, reach out to Asana because <laughs> <laughs> we promote them all the time. Um, and if you were to translate our project plan into actual accomplishments, then you would see our project timeline, which our designer Brandy created such an awesome sort of like little mini infographic. Um, and it just kind of shares the major milestones that we hit starting back in February 2016 when, John, you had the idea for the Mastery Journal. And we go all the way from our brainstorming phase into um, setting timelines and doing the layout to connecting with Sutton Long, who's the person who laid this out for us, um, connecting with Richie again over at Product and Brandon for his expertise on the campaign, our editor, um, designer again, Brandy Shea, recording the Kickstarter video, the photo shoots that we did for the Mastery Journal, recruiting. So this year we did a, a, what we call the Mastery Journal Street Team. Um, so that's on the project timeline. So definitely head over to the post that accompanies this income report. It's eofire.com slash income and the number 41. So you can check out this great infographic of the timeline. And um, yeah, that kind of leads us into launch day. I mean, that's kind of a super quick overview. Well, not really a quick one, but an overview of everything that we did leading up to this. You know, like you said at the beginning, John, I mean, this has been in the works since early 2016. There was so much like blood, sweat and tears and love put into this launch. And um, it's just really cool to be able to share that stuff with Fire Nation. What would you add to our pre-launch? What I'd add to the pre-launch is how much work that you put into creating that street team. And I think that that's a great idea that actually I'll give uh, Lewis Howes credit to last year. I remember I was about to launch the Freedom Journal. And he was like, so like, what's your street team up to? And I'm like, what do you mean street team? He's like, dude, you got to have a street team. Like you told me all about it. I'm like, all right, well, if I ever do this again, we're going to have a street team. So like back in December, um, I was like, Kate, we need a street team. And she's like, all right, I'm on it. And you took that project, you ran with it. So give a little maybe background about how you created that team, what kind of interactions you had and like a bonus that we gave for them, like just some cool things. Yeah. So I started by just kind of brainstorming like, okay, Lewis Howes says that we've got to do this street team. Like John, you and I talked a little bit and you kind of gave me an idea of what exactly that meant. Cause I'm like, I don't know what a street team is. We've never had a street team for anything that we've launched <laughs> here, but it sounded like a great idea. And if Lewis recommends it, it must be awesome. So um, I kind of started by doing brainstorming. I opened up just a, a Google spreadsheet and I love using Google Docs for this sort of stuff because then it becomes like this living, breathing, brainstorming document that you can carry with you throughout the entire project. Um, so I just started my very first tab with brainstorming ideas. And on that, I, you know, it was just kind of stuff like, well, where are we going to find the street team? And we ended up using, um, you know, the incredible community that we already have built for the Freedom Journal um, Facebook group. And that's who we went to to ask for support. You know, these are people who know, like, and trust us. John, you and I give back and provide value and support every single day by being very active and engaged members of that Facebook group. So, you know, we thought it would be totally appropriate and in line with people setting and accomplishing their number one goals to see if, you know, they love the Freedom Journal enough that they'd be on board with supporting the Mastery Journal. So I created a Google form 
And uh, I just asked a couple of questions there, like, um, would you be willing to share the mastery journal on launch day? And um, if, you know, it comes down to sharing throughout the entire campaign, are you going to be all in on this? We really need your commitment and your support if you're going to be a part of the launch team. Um, And so, you know, little by little, I started piecing together what this was going to look like. We ended up Um, you know, having that form in the Facebook group so people could kind of submit their um, ideas and what they thought being a part of the launch or the street team, what it meant for to them. Um, And then we did a QA and a call all leading up to the launch of the Mastery Journal. I was sending out follow up emails to them, giving them all the resources and support tools that they would need to go ahead and share the mastery journal. So it was it did end up being a pretty massive project and it was very time consuming, but incredibly well worth it because we ended up with a solid 27 people who have just been with us since day one. I've been in communication with them probably leading up to the launch. I communicated with the street team uh, with that live Q&A call six or seven times. And then from launch day, you know, up until right now, there's been a lot of recap emails, um, you know, going back and forth to see how I can help support them in supporting the Mastery Journal. So it's been a really cool experience. It's given me the opportunity to get to know these people a lot better than I did before. You know, I saw them in the Freedom Journal Facebook group a lot and, and had communicated with them there. Um, but it's been a really great opportunity to kind of continue that relationship with them. Absolutely. And a couple of things I want to mention as well, something that we use, because a lot of people are going to come out of the woodworks and just be like, hey, John, Kate, how can I help? And, you know, instead of having to like recreate the wheel every single time, we just created an amazing page over at eofire.com slash support, where it just is a description of exactly what the mastery journal is, all the images, social media copy, email copy, like everything's there on one page. So we can just send people to one link. Of course, you know, we drove everybody on the street team to go check that page out and help us improve it. And then of course, utilize it when the time came. So if you want to check out our support page, that's eofire.com slash support, something that you should definitely be creating around your product, your service, your community when it comes time to do a launch for yourself. And of course, if you're listening, you're like, well, wait a second, I have the Freedom Journal or, you know, I've um, got a mastery journal or I'm, you know, committed to the campaign. I'm, I'm about to get my mastery journal and you're not part of our Facebook group. It is such an amazing community. So if you have a physical copy or digital copy of the Freedom Journal, and when you do get your mastery journal, um, both digital or just a hardcover or both, you can head over to eofire.com slash Facebook. You can request to join that group. It is a private exclusive group just for people who have the physical or digital copy right now of the Freedom Journal. Soon we'll be opening up to people with the Mastery Journal as well. But again, that's eofire.com slash Facebook. We're over 6,000 members in that group now. And it's just such an engaging group. Kate and I are in there literally every single day because it's, it's an inspiring place to be. People are sharing their goals, their accomplishments. You know, people actually that are on the street team did get an early uh, copy, hardcover copy of the Mastery Journal. So they're already posting pictures of the Mastery Journal, which is so cool to see. And people are blown away by what they're accomplishing with mastering uh, productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. So that's super cool as well. eofire.com slash Facebook. Kate, let's chat about launch day. Like, what are some things that you think that we did well on the specific day of launch? Well, I really think that having that prep period was so integral to it. So, I mean, I'm, I definitely want to focus on what we did on launch day, but just reiterate and uh, really, you know, hammer home that everything we did on launch day wouldn't have been possible with everything without everything that we just talked about. So um, there's a lot of prep that went into launch day and a few of the main marketing pieces that went live alongside the Kickstarter campaign on January 23rd was um, an interview where I got to take over EO Fire. That was so much fun. Um, So John, you and I chatted on that episode about how you came up with the idea to create the Mastery Journal. And we really dove deep into the meaning behind it, like why you had the why you wanted to create this journal and how you think it can help Fire Nation. So um, if you haven't checked out, checked that out, that's linked up on the post. Um, We also did four separate email announcements. So one to the Mastery Journal campaign. 
um, which is anybody who had signed up for early interest. So we had an email list going long before the campaign even started where we were kind of nurturing and letting people behind the scenes of what we were doing leading up to the launch. So we were able to leverage, um, you know, that communication channel because we had been working on growing that interest list. And that became over, I think, 10,000 people who had raised their hands and said like, hey, John and Kate, I am interested in the Mastery Journal. I want to hear what's going on. And so for us to be able to reach out to them on launch day, um, one of the huge benefits of being a part of the early interest list, which I think is just important to note because if anybody out there is thinking about, you know, doing an early interest list for anything, for your business, for the next product you're creating, for your podcast that you're launching, you know, give people a reason to want to be on it other than just like, hey, I'll, I'll let you know when it's live. Um, and part of that for us was that behind the scenes look and knowing that if you were on the interest list, you would literally be the first person besides me and you, John, to know when the campaign went live. So we actually ended up launching the Kickstarter campaign, you know, several hours before we had originally anticipated. And one of the huge benefits for those on the interest list were that they got to find out about that first. Um, we also sent email communications again to the street team, um, of course, to all of our uh, Fire Nation faithful. And also, John, something that I didn't even think of, but of course you did, <laughs> um, you leveraged the Freedom Journal Kickstarter backers. So you're still able to go into Kickstarter. Um, and this just shows the power of a platform like Kickstarter, not even for your launch, but over time you still have the ability to reach out to those who backed the Freedom Journal campaign over one year ago and let them know about this campaign. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we had 7,063 backers for the Freedom Journal Kickstarter campaign. So I was able to go in and post an update. That's how you term, uh, that's the terminology you use within Kickstarter. And that update not only gets obviously posted on Kickstarter, but an email goes out to every one of those 7,063 people immediately just being like, hey, so thankful for you supporting the Freedom Journal a year ago. Um, we've now launched this, the Mastery Journal. So we'd love if you checked it out, click here. And that just allowed us to reach out to people that were incredibly targeted, that are already supported us, that obviously um, loved journals and probably had a great experience with the Freedom Journal. And we could explain and share with them what we were doing with the Mastery Journal. So that was super cool. And yeah, that's a great example as to why um, a platform like Kickstarter was really cool and really beneficial as well. So uh, we definitely enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And of course, we can't forget about, you know, all of the outside support that we received on launch day. All I mean, as if, you know, these four separate email announcements, the interview that you and I did, um, which I thought was incredibly value packed, as if that wasn't enough. You, we also had all this incredible support. So you actually counted up the responses and the engagements that you had. You emailed every single one of your 1,500 past guests and personally asked for their support. Over 600 people, which is insane, 600 um, you know, confirm their support, whether that was going to be an email to their email list, a post on social media, or we really had so many incredible opportunities for you to be a guest on others' podcasts like Lewis House School of Greatness, like Omar Nicole Zenholm's $100 MBA. You were on the Ziegler show. I mean, you had a ton of like really amazing interviews that went live either on January 23rd or very shortly thereafter. And that's not even to mention all the incredible guest posting opportunities we had too, at least uh, I had at least 10 guest posts on like really major sites went live within a week of the launch as well. So really creating like this, um, what would you, what would you even call it? Like, a, a some type of awesome effect of all of these things simultaneously happening, um, you know, actually making your launch an event and not treating it as just like, not, and not treating it just like a single event. Like I just named a lot of things that happen really, really quickly um, on launch day all together, which can be really, really powerful for momentum and reach and, and uh, awareness and visibility and all those great things. 
Um, but, you know, really important to think about how a launch like what we're doing on Kickstarter, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is that it's not just launch day that you do all these things like this is something you got to keep doing in order for the campaign to be a success. But before we get into that, John, I know another um, strategy that you, you've you been using during the campaign is this cool new thing called Kickstarter Live. <laughs> Kickstarter Live, great segue. And while you were actually talking, I, I came up with a cool phrase that you were looking for, a tornado of fire. And we were able to accomplish <laughs> that fire nation because that... Those 600 people of the 1,500 that I individually emailed, the key word there is individually. That was not a mass BCC. That was not a broadcast email to those 1,500. That was me individually saying, Sarah, this is a personal email from me, JLD. Like That was a subject line. And then in the email, I'd be like, Sarah, thank you for being episode 1,123. Like I would let them know that like this email within it was written personally, like it was a personal email because I just knew that there's so much more power than just getting this mass email because I've been on the recipient side of both and the impact level is so much different. Actually, somebody who let us um, go ahead and guest post on his site, which is a huge site, is Michael Hyatt. That's one of the people that Kay's talking about. And he showed me the power a couple years ago when he actually created a personal video for me to ask for my support of this launch that he was doing. And I was just like, this guy gets it. Like he just knows that if I'd gotten a mass email of, Hey, I'm Michael Hyatt. Like if you can support me, that'd be great. But he was like, John, I love what you're doing with EO fire. You know, I've really enjoyed being a guest on, I got something that I think will be awesome for your listeners. He took the time to record it and a video and send it to me personally. And so I took that and I wanted to personalize every one of those emails. I know that's why we got to 600. And we've done some other things as well, Fire Nation. Like I sponsored Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, the pre-rolls, the post-rolls. Um, he actually uh, nominated the Mastery Journal as his book of the month or his book club. Um, he mentioned in his newsletter. And these were all things that you know we were able to do because I sponsored his podcast, because of the friendship and relationship that we developed, because of exchange of values that we have. And like, when I support his book, and, he, you know, and, and, um, and my book comes out, and he supports that. So you just have to think about people who have great influence, a great audience that's relevant to what you're creating, and reach out to them and say, hey, how can we make this a win-win for both of us? And one thing that's always going to be a win-win for you and your audience, Fire Nation, is adding free, valuable, and consistent content. And a great way to do that that Kate segued a little while ago was Kickstarter Live, Instagram Live, Facebook Live. The key word here, Fire Nation, is live. Your audience is going to want to have an opportunity to hang out with you live because it's just different. I mean, me going back and watching a Gary Vaynerchuk video from a year ago doesn't have the same impact as me going on Snapchat and watching one of his snaps that he recorded 20 minutes ago. It just doesn't and it never will. And even more so when it comes to live stuff. So we have to realize that we live now in a world where you can just press a button and you can go live and you have to get comfortable with that and you have to utilize stuff like Kickstarter, like Instagram, like Facebook Live to get out there in a different way and to just have fun. I just did um, this past Saturday, I was hanging out and I'm like, you know, I don't really have a ton to do right now. So I poured a cup of tea and I was just like, tea, Ah, JLD, that rhymes. I'm like, why don't I just do a live Facebook right now, tea with JLD? And I had no agenda. I was just going to get on, talk for a couple seconds, like let people get on and then let people start asking questions. And by the end of it, it had over 1.5 thousand views. It had over 145 comments. Michael Hyatt, Michael Stelzner, Chris Ducker, they all randomly jumped on throughout my live chat. And it was all from just deciding, I'm going to jump on live on a Saturday afternoon. And so these are things that you just have to do, test them out. Don't think you're going to have this massive audience or interaction day one. You have to get your chops. You have to get out there. You have to try it, but just get out there and try. So um, live has been great for us. You'll continue to see me doing uh, doing this throughout February for the rest of the Kickstarter campaign, but it's also going to be part of what I do on a week-to-week basis just because it's the way to build an audience by adding value. So I answered a lot of people's questions. I gave away a couple mastery journals during my live. We had a lot of fun. So 
that's what live is all about, Kate. We definitely had a blast. I'll pass it back over to you. Yeah, and I'll kind of zero in on um, something that you just said is one of the really cool things about doing live is not just so that you can get on and like have tea with people, which was awesome when I <laughs> when I went on Facebook and I saw tea with JLD. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like who would not want to have tea with JLD? My mom was like, I want to. But she was like an hour late. Uh, <laughs> But the really cool thing about those lives is that you get to answer people's questions in real time. And not only should, you know, anyone who's tuning in listening be looking at this from the perspective of like how much value that adds to have instant access to somebody where you can ask those questions, where you can make recommendations or whatever, but also on the flip side, the value that it brings to you, like, John, how many, you know, ideas or, you know, the the feedback that you get from the questions that people ask, you know, it goes so much further than just you being able to answer a question. It also gives you really great insights into, you know, what's confusing people about the mastery journal or what don't people get yet that you can change on the Kickstarter page that you can change in your marketing that you can address in the next email that you send out. Like these are all super powerful cues and keys that you really need to be paying attention to regardless of if you're doing like some big long month long, long launch, like this is for anything in your business, hold, get on live and, and ask people if they have questions about what it is that you do or what it is that you have coming up. And you know, you phrase it better than that because nobody's going to be like, okay, you think you're so cool that I just want to ask you all these questions. But, you know, there's so much power behind that because it can give you so much insight into how to make things better, how to better communicate with your audience. And gosh, that just makes me think of all the incredible interviews that are going live on EO Fire over these 33 days too, John. I have been so loving these chats. Everybody that's been on the podcast, you know, for the 33 days of the launch, as you know, Fire Nation, we're featuring people from the Freedom Journal group who have set and accomplished their number one goal in 100 days. And all the tips that I've been picking up, like John, one of the most recent ones I listened to um, was with Betsy, and she's talking about communication and cues and and how you're going to totally miss out if, if you're not talking to your audience in the right way. So, you know, just things like that have been uh, really, really cool to experience over over the launch thus far. And we still got, again, a couple weeks to go. The curse of knowledge is real, Fire Nation. You are going to assume that you know something just because you know it. But you're also going to assume that other people know that same thing. That's why you have to open up the lines of communication. That's why you have to have one-on-one conversations with people. That's why everybody that joins Podcasters Paradise, they get a phone call from me because I want to open up that line of communication. I want to thank them personally because I'm touched that they put their trust and faith in Kate and myself. And I want to open up that fo- that phone line of, of communication where I can ask them, how do they find out about us? Do they have any questions getting going so that we can address those for future people that we can answer those questions in the webinars and in our materials leading up to that. You can learn so much. It's critical. So moving forward to launch day, it was awesome. You know, we had huge expectations, uh, you know, especially with how crazy the launch day of the Freedom Journal was. And we hit our funding goal in just a few hours and then some. And we actually closed the day with over 600 backers. That's 600 people trusting you enough, Fire Nation, to enter in their credit card information to buy something from you in one day. And that's over $36,000 in one day that was pledged. So that was so cool to see Fire Nation come out and support. And that's the thing about doing something like a Kickstarter campaign where we did a 33-day Kickstarter campaign. That was just day one. We had 32 more days. And as we're actually talking right now, there's still 17 more days to go. We've actually just today hit the halfway point in the Mastery Journal campaign. And our number one tip is don't take your foot off the gas once you've started. And Kate, why don't you kind of expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, so that's kind of moving into post-launch day. You know, never take your foot off the gas. It's the number one tip, again, that we have for anyone interested in running a successful campaign because you can't just go out on that one day and have one huge big bang. That's not the way that it works. I mean, I guess if you're only doing a one-day Kickstarter, but can you only do a one-day Kickstarter? I think so, but I haven't seen it done. Yeah, 
So, I mean, the main point, though, is really every day post-launch has looked pretty similar to launch day. I mean, you can take away, obviously, you know, the four different types of email communications and, um, you know, the mini podcasts that went live all at the same time. But, you know, John, you still have episodes going live on others' podcasts who were, you know, kind enough to feature us and have that chat with you. We still have guest posts that are going live over the next couple of weeks, which we're very grateful to have had that opportunity. You continue to send out emails to the Freedom Journal Kickstarter backers, not every day, but, you know, doing updates here and there, letting them know about uh, special reward levels that have opened up or, you know, reward levels that are going fast. Um, And then, of course, we still have, you know, our Fire Nation email list who you communicate with daily, John, pretty much. Um, you know, sharing really great lessons learned and tips from the campaign. And Fire Nation, the result of all of these things compounded together and this team effort that we put together and all the support from you all, thank you so much. But the result, so the result of that, Kickstarter named us as a project we love within the first three days, which never happened with the Freedom Journal. So that was really, really cool to see. Um, and what that means is basically Kickstarter starts putting us at the top of search results. So if you were to go to, um, you know, the the publishing category, the the projects the projects that are um, marked as projects we love uh, will be featured at the top of that. So it really helps in organic search and rankings on Kickstarter. Um, We also closed out our first week with more than 1,500 backers who were pledging over $110,000. That's insane for one week. 1,500 people. John, like you said, to see 600 people come out on day one was so incredible. And then to close out our first week with more than 1,500 backers. Oh, my gosh. Um, together again, we've partnered with pencils of promise. We've already personally written a $10,000 donation check, and we've got another $10,000 one on the way when we hit our next pledge level. These are all things that we accomplished. Thanks to not taking our foot off the gas. If we would have stopped after launch day and just kicked up our feet and said like, yeah, cool. Day one was a huge success. Like, let's just kind of see what happens over the next 33 days. Like, No, we had a plan in place. We've kept our foot on the gas and we've seen incredible results because of that. And I will say that we've learned a lot of lessons. I mean, number one, we learned a lot of lessons from the Freedom Journal campaign, which of course we applied to the pre-launch, launch, and post-launch of the Mastery Journal. But then, you know, we've learned some new lessons from the Mastery Journal campaign because every launch is going to be different. And one of the biggest lessons uh, and something that I've actually been very vocal and very transparent about throughout the last 17 days of this launch is compare and despair. Like this is something that I've been saying for literally years. I'm a huge fan of this because if you compare yourself to anybody, I think it's a bad thing. If you compare yourself to somebody who's not doing as well as you, like why? You're just inflating your own ego. If you compare yourself to somebody that's a lot further ahead than you, like why? You're just gonna feel bad about yourself. Like you should only be comparing yourself to you yesterday. If you win that comparison, then you're winning in the game of life, period. But if you're comparing yourself to anybody else, I don't care who it is, it's despair. Compare and despair. So just remember that, Fire Nation. And you know, despite me harping this for years, literally, um, I still fell into that trap. I mean, the Mastery Journal launched, and I was really hoping for a $100,000 launch day. I mean, I put that out there as a goal. That was a real hope. Uh, the Freedom Journal did $77,000 on opening day. So I wanted to beat that. I mean, of course, I mean, I'm going to set big goals. I'm going to set big expectations. And, you know, we did about half of of what the Freedom Journal did at $36,000. So that to me was a disappointment until I said, well, wait a second, why am I comparing the Mastery Journal to the Freedom Journal? You know, they're they're just, they're two different things. They're, they're, the journals themselves do different things. You know, for the, uh, for the Freedom Journal, we had been building for three years up to this one product launch. And, you know, now we're launching within, you know, basically within a year, a second product. Like, you know, why should I be comparing these two? And, 
the reality is I should only be comparing where the mastery journal is to where the mastery journal was yesterday. And that's what I've been doing going forward. So I've been transparent with that through emails and Snapchats and Instagrams and talking about it during my lives. You know, people like Chris Brogan, like mentioned on one, uh, did a comment on one of my Facebook posts about, about that. Um, he's like, I've never loved you more. And like, that means a lot because, you know, Chris Brogan's had his share of ups and downs. Absolutely. I've had my share of ups and downs. And the fact that we're able to come out and be honest and transparent about it, uh, you know, I hope that when you, Fire Nation, have one of those struggles that you don't just give up, quit, or go hide and be quiet about it, but you just say, hey, JLD's failed, Chris Brogan's failed, you know, fill in the blank has failed, and let's just realize that this is part of what it means to be an entrepreneur. Let's embrace that and let's move forward. So one question that we do get a lot, and this is another lesson learned, and this is, again, why you want those lines of communication open is, How's the Mastery Journal different from the Freedom Journal? And Kate, I know how I answer this question, but I'm kind of curious, putting you on the spot here just a little bit, how do you answer this question? Well, I take the plain and simple route and I say the Freedom Journal is what's going to help you set and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. And the Mastery Journal is what's going to help you master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. If I were to expound on that or just take it a step further... I would say that the Freedom Journal really helps you focus in on setting a goal, how to properly set a SMART goal, and then it guides you over 100 days in keeping your focus on that one goal, not being taken away by the bright and shiny objects, not, you know, having this idea that you're going to launch a podcast and, you know, write a book at the same time. So the Freedom Journal really helps you hone in on that number one huge goal. And now with the Mastery Journal, I just see it being such an amazing compliment because as you're working towards your number one goal, this idea of, you know, productivity, discipline and focus just keeps coming up over and over and over again for people, especially even in the Facebook group, John, this is probably more of a long winded answer than you were looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in the uh, Freedom Journal Facebook group, you know, we see people posting all the time like, hey, guys, I, I crushed it for a week in my Freedom Journal. I was feeling amazing. My momentum and my drive was super high. But you know, now it's been two weeks and I haven't picked it up. And, you know, I don't know what's up. Like, has anybody experienced this before? And that's where I really see the Mastery Journal coming in and really helping people stay productive, stay disciplined and stay focused, not only as it relates to their number one goal, but as it relates to everything that they're working on in their business. She nailed the Fire Nation. The only thing I'll add to that is that I did do a lengthy video um, where I do just kind of walk through exactly what Kate said and maybe even expound a little bit more. And you can find that over at eofire.com slash FJ versus MJ. So Freedom Journal versus Mastery Journal, but just FJ versus MJ. And of course, uh, we'll link that up on the income report, eofire.com slash income 41. One thing I do want to mention is Freedom Journal sales are way way up. I mean, we did $52,000 just in the month of January for Freedom Journal sales. That's insane. Those are bigger numbers than we did in December, which was our biggest month by far up to that date um, because of the holidays, which we expected a big dip after the holidays, which we got in the beginning part of January. But then when the, free, uh, when the Mastery Journal launched, the Freedom Journal had huge, huge spikes in sales. And we realized, and again, this is all in hindsight, and this is what happens when you have an open line of communication that a lot of people were like, John, I love the idea of the mastery journal. It sounds great, but if I invest $39 right now, I'm not going to get it till mid March. You know, that's how a Kickstarter campaign works. I just said, Hey, why don't I, why don't I just go buy the freedom journal start now? And in a hundred days after I've crushed my number one goal, then I'll just go to the masteryjournal.com and buy a mastery journal when I'm ready. And I'm like, well, I get, you know, that makes sense. I'm not going to stop you. I mean, you know, that's it's our, it's our product and it's great. Both of them are great. The freedom journal and the mastery journal. So that was something we didn't expect. And that's why it was another mistake to um, compare the Mastery Journal to the Freedom Journal because, again, with the Freedom Journal, we had nothing else in the physical product around. We had nothing else, you know, 
at the $39 range. You know, we had a premium podcasting course. We had a premium webinar course. You know, we had nothing for $39. So all of these people that have been listening and supporting us for all of these years are like, well, I want to get this just because like, I want to support John. And, you know, and they did that and they saw also the benefit of just how amazing the Freedom Journal was and et cetera, et cetera. So that was one thing we didn't expect or know was going to happen. We probably should have anticipated that, but we didn't. And it's just way up. And another thing that Kate's mentioned is that also the Freedom Journal interviews that I'm doing are really resonating with people big time. I mean, I'm getting emails from people that have been listening to EO Fire for literally over a thousand episodes. They say, John, I love your interviews with successful entrepreneurs. But wow, these interviews with just somebody that bought a, ma- a Freedom Journal and accomplished their number one goal in 100 days, and then they're talking about what that's done for their life and their business, that's amazing. So that's kind of given me an aha moment of, you know, I probably got to bring people on more consistently for this, like maybe have like a Freedom F- Friday and maybe a Mastery Monday. I mean, who knows? I mean, that could be something that we, we kind of bring into the EO Fire uh, realm because it's really just resonating. So... The Master General campaign does wrap up on February 24th. And if you are thinking about the fact that you need to master productivity, that you need to master discipline, or you need to master focus, or all three, um, guess what? You probably do because we all do on some levels <laughs> for sure. Head over to themasteryjournal.com before February 24th. Pledge to the campaign. There's going to be options and rewards for you that simply aren't going to be available um, after February 24th. You know, we're going to shut down uh, Mastery Journal sales um, until everybody from the Freedom Journal, uh, from the Mastery Journal campaign gets their Mastery Journal. And then down the road, we'll open up sales to the public for the Mastery Journal. But things that you get today during this campaign until February 24th that you will not have access to, um, free shipping if you're in the United States. Um, we also do discounts off of packs, like the two pack, the four pack, the 10 pack that you don't get, um, after we, after we close the Kickstarter campaign. So definitely get over there. I've mentioned this once. I'll mention it for the last time right now. We have some amazing rewards. One of those rewards is a day with JLD. Um, we have three of those that are available two of them were snagged on day one. So <laughs> that third one, which by the way, I just opened up a few days ago. Um, I was like, cause I only had two originally Then I'm like, you know, I'll bump it out to three because I, I really do enjoy these full days. So there is one more day with JLD where you'll fly down on a Friday, spend all spend Friday night at my place at Kay's place all day, Saturday, Saturday night, you'll spend the night at our place, wake up Sunday and then you'll go home or you just stay and hang on in Puerto Rico. You can do whatever you want. And, and there's a, then there's, we'll say goodbye. Then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, we'll say goodbye. But you can do whatever you want. And there's still one of those available. And then there's two available of a total of six. And that's a hard number. There's only two more that are available for Puerto Palooza. We're going to come in with, again, five other amazing Fire Nation listeners. And you're going to spend um, three full days with me and with Kate. Two of those days, we're going to be masterminding, um, putting you in the hot seat, talking about your business, ripping it apart, putting it back together again, having a blast. And then the third day is going to be a fun adventure day. We're going to be charting a boat out to the island of Vieques, which is a gorgeous island, has one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, um, or has some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. We'll go snorkeling out there. It'll be a blast. And then, of course, you can, we'll say goodbye, but you can then either go home or, or stay in Puerto Rico forever. So again, that's themasteryjournal.com. Kate, anything you want to say before I move into the income breakdown? Just super grateful for everyone's support. Thank you guys so much for backing us up on the Mastery Journal. Thank you for sharing it. Even if you just share it with one person, it really means so much to us. So thanks for your support, Fire Nation. January 2017 income breakdown. Our product service income was $134,000. Again, I mentioned $52,000 for the Freedom Journal. We did 22000 of that at thefreedomjournal.com, which is our page, our site. We did on Amazon sales. That was 748 Freedom Journals were sold in the month of January. That is just out of control. We're the number two ranked uh, planner in all of Amazon, which is super great and cool. Uh, Podcasters Paradise brought in $30,000. Our sponsorship revenue was $44,000 podcastwebsites.com, you know, our salary for that every month, we take $5,000 from that income. That is your all-in-one 
podcast website, peace of mind. If you want to learn more about that, head over to podcastwebsites.com. You can sign up for a completely free 15-minute consultation, my friends, and just enjoy talking and asking questions with our amazing, amazing team. Um, Our affiliate income was 48K. Uh, we did $22,000 with ClickFunnels, which we just love. And if you have not watched the webinar that I did in January with, with Russell, that's January of this year, 2017, head over to eofire.com slash click. Watch that webinar that I did. You'll see why ClickFunnels will change your business forever. Um, we did another $5,000 with Ramit Sethi. Um, Ray Higdon's three-minute export course brought in $6,400. Um, we just really did some cool things. And again, it's all at eofire.com slash income 41. We had a lot of great partnerships. A lot of great revenue came in that way. Of course, we also list out the expenses, which were not small uh, per use. We had over $64,000 in business expenses, another $2,200 with subscription-based expenses for a total expense um, list of $66,000, which again, Everything that we use, if you're just curious about what do these guys spend their money on? Like, what do they use to run their business? The entire list is eofire.com slash income 41. Check it out. So our net profit was $116,000. So a lot of good things happen in January. We're expecting a lot of good things happen in February. Um, March will probably be a pretty big month because that's when Kickstarter is going to be mailing us a pretty big check. But until then, let's uh, have Kate take us home with you'll never know until you take action. So, John, I feel like we've kind of been hinting and this has been underlying this entire income report. But Fire Nation, you will never know until you take action. We've talked a lot about the Mastery Journal launch, what we did to prepare for it, what we did leading up for it, what we did on launch day, what we've been doing since launch day. And there have been a ton of questions and fears and what ifs. And this is all after we've already done this exact thing with the Freedom Journal on Kickstarter. Like you would think that, oh yeah, we got this in the bag. Like we we know everything there is to know. And of course, John, you and I did not approach it like that. Um, that would be a bad move. But you know, we did approach it with some confidence in some of the things that we knew we were going to do. But, you know, that doesn't mean that there weren't still a lot of questions and fears and what ifs, like, have we done enough to prepare? Or should we have reached out to more people for support? Or are people going to see value in the Mastery Journal? Did we do a good job of marketing what we created? And for many entrepreneurs, these are the types of questions and fears and what ifs that are going to stop you in your tracks before you ever even make any progress towards reaching those goals that you've set for yourself, towards launching that business, towards making your website live, towards launching that podcast. I mean, you could go on and on and on about this stuff. But for those who take action, despite the questions and the fears and the what ifs that we all have because we are all human, they get to actually find out. Those who take action, they get to actually find out. They get to learn pivot experience. They get to achieve the goals that they've set for themselves because no one else can answer those questions for you. People can tell you about their experience, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, lessons learned, and that's going to be a huge help. That's why we do these income reports, period, to help share our lessons learned with you. And yes, it can kind of help calm the fears or give you an idea of what's going to happen, But you have to take action to find out for yourself. You have to take that next step forward so that you know what's going to happen for you because I can guarantee you, even if it's just like a little tiny minuscule like millimeter difference of what happened for somebody else, it's still going to be different because your attitude and your personality and you are different, your audience is different and the expertise and the knowledge and the value that you have to share is different. So You'll never know until you take action. So get out there and take some action. Fire Nation, that MLK quote, and this is pretty fitting actually since uh, Martin Luther King Day weekend is in January, is you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. So take action today, take that first step, and you will be prepared to ignite. 